This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Bombarda Rum. Visit them at shopbombardarum.com and remember, victory spolia. Hey all, it's Paul from Drums and Rums, where the backbeats meets the spirits. As we get close to Halloween, I figured I'd do a podcast that's more in a line of creepy and scary kind of topics. So what would that might be? Well, if you're familiar with the band Spinal Tap and you've seen their mockumentary, you know that there's a segment in the documentary that talks about the unfortunate ends of their drummers. Spinal Tap seems to not have very much good luck when it comes to drummers. So if you're a drummer and you're thinking about joining Spinal Tap, don't. Because you will end in a demise of unimaginable ways, which I'm going to talk to you about. The lineage of the Spinal Tap drummers. It all started back in 1964 when David and Nigel, the two lead members of the band as we know them today, met John Stumpy Peeps. Now John was a tall, blonde, geeky looking guy. And back in 64, while touring, the members of the Johnny Good Show Review at a Southampton pub then known as the Bucket, and it is now known as the Bucket and Pale, the boys jammed with the bespectacled drummer, nicknamed the Peeper, obviously for his glasses. And then the members of Leslie Cheswick, Soul Explosion. The three men would go on to form the Tamesmen, and then later with Ronnie Pudding and Denny Upham, Spinal Tap which played its first gig in December of 1966. Peeps would die in a bizarre gardening accident shortly thereafter the release of the band's third album, Silent But Deadly. Appropriate title, I guess you call it irony. And Nigel had said, it was really one of those things that the authorities said, well, best leave it unsolved. So that was actually pretty pretty much a very weird way of dying in a gardening accident. And actually, some say that famed drummer Jeff Picaro had also died in some sort of gardening accident, whether it was claimed to be ingesting pesticide or some type of chemicals. But then there's been debate over his hard life also of drinking and so forth. So who knows? Coincidence? But I don't know. So thereafter, Spinal Tap had to find a new drummer. In comes Eric Stumpy Joe Childs, formerly of Wool Cave, became Tap's second drummer in 69. And then after John Stumpy Peeps died in the bizarre gardening accident, Derek remembers Childs as having big hands, big feet, big heart, small lips, thin hair, big ears. That's really that's all there is to say. Charles would perform on four of Spinal Tap's albums before choking to death on somebody else's vomit in 74. Who produced the vomit remains shrouded in mystery. Nigel had once said, you can't really dust for vomit, which is true. But you know, this is the 60s. You know, and 70s and all that time. So you have no idea what probably what parties may have gone on. Maybe some of you have been to some of these parties. And you never know what happens. The band would later claim he died of a melon overdose. 
And even later, when asked about the investigation, the child's death, Derek reported. Last we heard, he conducted DNA tests on the vomit. The only results to get back to us was that, on closer analysis, it may have not been vomit. That's just a very bizarre way to die. Now, there are other musicians and drummers who have choked and died on their own vomit. But I don't think anyone has ever choked and died from somebody else's vomit. So, when you go to... That's just a really bizarre way. Again, as I said, this is very much a very cursed band for drummers. So stay clear away from ever wanting to perform with Spinal Tap. After that, in comes Peter James Bond. This is Tap's third drummer. The curly hair Bond replaced Eric Stumpy Joe in 74, shortly before the release of The Sun Never Sweats. David remembers the drummer as the ultimate professional and a snappy dresser. Three years after he joined the band, while performing at the Isle of Lucy, Blues Jazz, or ultimately called Jazz Blues, festival with Buddha Head. Bond spontaneously combusted in what many audience members believe was a part of the show. At the time, the other members of the tap were regrouping at Nigel's Castle in Liechtenstein. After this disaster, Nigel said he just was like a flash of green light, and that was it. Nothing was left. Well, there was a little green gobule on the drum seat. It was actually more of a smear and small stain, actually. Bond's charred drumsticks were retrieved by manager Ian Faith as mementos. And Nigel had always been close to the band's drummers. It says Bond's death was particularly traumatic because he owed me money. Now, did you know that dozens of people spontaneously combust every year? However, they're hardly ever reported. So I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe it was a freak pyro accident that just never got reported or known about. We will never know. After that, Spinal Tap was on looking for their fourth drummer. In comes Mick Shrimpton in 1977. He was a former house drummer for the Eurovision Song Contest, and he joined Tap as it regrouped on the strength of Nice and Stinky. It's a late bloomer hit from Jab Habit. And he replaced Peter James Bond, who spontaneously combusted, as I mentioned. And ironically, Shrimpton himself would be killed in a mysterious onstage explosion five years later during one of the performances on TAP's 1982 Japanese tour. His death was caught on film for the documentary, This is Spinal Tap. Keyboardist Vic Savage was later killed during a swamp gas explosion while visiting Shrimpton's Hampstead grave. Many fans, unable to believe Mick was gone, spread rumors that he'd become a high-ranking executive at Metsushita Corporation. That's a parent company of MCA, which released Tap's 1992 album, Break Like the Wind. Derek Smalls had said, Mick was like, when your dog makes a mess, all you want to do is hit him, and then you want to love him, and then you want to clean it up all at once. 
I'm not quite sure the reference, but a substance abuser who was chronically late, Shrimpton told DeBergy during This Is Spinal Tap documentary that as long as I have sex and drugs, I can do without rock and roll. Shrimpton was also a major league baseball fan. And during the early morning appearance by the band at a Cleveland FM station, he answered a caller's question about the exact number of shutouts Ferguson Jenkins had pitched during his career with the Cubs, Rangers, and Red Sox. So I bet you that's something that you didn't know, that he was an avid baseball fan. Once again, Spinal Tap now is looking for a new drummer. In comes Joe Mama Besser, Tap's largest member ever. Besser played drums during the band's one-date tour of Japan to support the 1982 Smell the Glove before disappearing with the equipment. Besser made a brief appearance at the end of This Is Spinal Tap during the scenes in Cobe Hall. David had said, We assume he either returned to the world of jazz or he died. It was once claimed during an MTV interview in November of 1991 that he said he couldn't take this 4-4 shit. He disappeared with the equipment during the Japanese tour. He's either dead or playing jazz. Next up was a familiar name. It was actually Mick Shrimpton's twin brother, Richard. And he was only younger by 20 minutes. Like his brother, he was the house drummer for the Eurovision Song Contest. Nigel said he was always in mixed shadow, but ironically, a better, a better drummer and more chops. But he dropped out and he worked in a shop where they used to sell stamps. And David had said, as long as he keeps from urinating on the third rail or something, he should last a long time. Nigel has noted, however, that Rick is always nervous. He's always got some sort of problem with his sweat glands or on his upper lip. Shrimpton, who has half a vote in the band, underwent foot surgery in 92 after falling down a flight of stairs while rushing to soundcheck. Tap's lucky 13th drummer was working Finbury's Park in one of the shops that used to sell the stamps. According to David, when Rick called and said, what about me as your next drummer? He said, look, Rick, mate, we've already broken your mother's heart once. Please don't. Rick insured by the Lloyds of Lutton, only because the firm needs the publicity. And he played his first gig with the band of January of 1992. Tap arranged to have local drummers on call for emergencies. By 2000, Tap reemerged briefly to promote the re-release of This Is Spinal Tap. Rick had disappeared and allegedly sold his dialysis machine for drugs and was presumed dead. And David had said he was the nicest drummer we've ever had. Following that, in came Sammy Stumpy Bateman, but he was killed performing in 2001 while attempting to jump a tricycle over a tank full of sharks in a freak show. That is some interesting things that drummers will have to do sometimes. After that, again, on the need to find another drummer, in came from 2001 to 2007, Scott Skippy Scuffleton, and his fate was actually unknown. And then that year, Chris Papa Kedu came into the band and lasted a year. 
and met his demise in 2008 while he was eaten by his pet python, Cleopatra. Now, there's been nine other drummers at various times between the period of 1970 and 1981, all of whom are dead and really aren't that important to talk about. And thus, this is the interesting history of one of the greatest bands in the world, Spinal Tap. If you're not familiar with the band Spinal Tap, as I mentioned, check out the mockumentary, This is Spinal Tap. And Spinal Tap, for those of you who don't know, is comprised of current members David St. Hubbins, Nigel Tufnell, and Derek Smalls, and the list of myriad of drummers along the way. So, thank you for listening to the history of Spinal Tap's drummers and the unfortunate demise and accidents in ways they are now performing in the afterlife. So this is Paul. This is where the backbeats meets the spirits. If you like what we're doing here at Drums and Rums, we have a Patreon link to help with setting up interviews and creating content that you find entertaining and interesting. Also, if you'd like to sponsor, advertise on the podcast, or if you want to come on as a guest to promote something related to the show, email me at info at drumsandrums.com. Please leave a rating or review over on iTunes or on your favorite podcast location to let me know that you like the podcast and that there's others know it's a podcast that you should listen to. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Lastly, I want to thank Brad Brock Toon titled Once Upon a Bottle of Rum and check out his podcast, Jams and Cocktails. Thanks again for listening where the backbeats meet the spirits.